1: we are back at it welcome back to another edition of the pistols firing podcast i'm carson cunningham joined as always by colby powell colby uh happy friday are you looking forward to saturday is the big question
0: uh yes and no it's a weird week carson the solheim cup is taking place in spain uh and i work for what was GolfChannel.com is now nbcsports.com um and i'm working overnights for the solheim cup 10 p.m to 6 a.m. I saw every shot of the foursomes this morning. Um, makes for some long nights, some long days. My daughter and I, we we had the same nap schedule today, so it's a, a weird week, and tomorrow's going to be a, a weird day with weird hours, but I am actually glad that it's Iowa State this week because I can at least go into the game with a feeling of, well, I don't really know what's going to happen uh, whereas if they were playing a team that, that they were going to be three touchdown underdogs to, that wouldn't be a ton of fun. So the fact that it's Iowa state, I think actually does make it pretty interesting.
1: Well, maybe, maybe it's worse. Cause you actually have to watch because there's a chance they might win. Cause Iowa state's just as bad as they are.
0: <laughs> it's going to be, uh, I honestly, I don't know if it's going to be ugly. I don't know if the fact that neither team can really move the ball is going to cancel itself out. I, I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in Ames tomorrow. I, I kind of have a prediction that I've tossed together. Uh, I'm kind of leaning on Vegas a little bit to help me with it because they know a lot more than we do, uh, about projecting these things. But I, I think there's any number of things that could happen tomorrow in Ames. And, and really, I don't think any of it would surprise me.
1: Do you know what today marks anniversary wise?
0: Today, September 22nd, 2023. I can't say that I do off the top of my head. Hit me
1: 16 years ago today was the Mike Gundy, I'm a man, I'm 40 rant. Yes, the rant can now drive, Colby. 16 years ago today, uh, Mike Gundy went on his infamous tirade. I got a lot of messages today about it saying this is back when Mike uh, had some fire in his belly and was making a lot less money. Uh, it's kind of funny to watch that versus really the nonplussed laissez-faire Mike Gundy we see now after getting his butt kicked by South Alabama.
0: That's wild. Yeah, 16 years. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's been 16 years. Time flies. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Mike Gundy, I, I watched the press conference this week. I even listened to the radio show. They put it out in podcast form now. So I was able to come back around later and, uh, and watch it. And, you know, he, he said one or two things that I liked. And then he said several that I didn't. The fire of the, I'm a man, I'm 40 though. He, he even said on his radio show, he said that he used to get angry about losses. He doesn't anymore because it doesn't do any good. Um, I mean, it, it kind of shows he doesn't look really angry. He, he looks calm. No major problems. So, I don't know. I guess we're going to find out tomorrow in Ames.
1: Yeah, and I, I certainly understand as a head coach, you don't want to act like the house is on fire when it really is. But I think he, he could say and do things much different that don't make him look so complacent. I think that's kind of the the number one word that gets fans frustrated when they they hear from Mike is he he seems complacent. He seems like with NIL, uh, he made some comments on his radio show this week about how South Alabama kids don't care about NIL and all this stuff. And that's just more of the same that you and I have talked about and how he, he might be getting left behind the times. But uh, before we get into more comments from Mike, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate them being with us all year long, really football season, basketball season doesn't matter. Chris has been with us for a very long time now. We're, we're certainly appreciative of them. Uh, you might be able to get some, some sales prices <laughs> moving forward if the season continues to go how it is. But uh, if you're in Stillwater, you know where to go. If you need the latest gear or some gifts, uh, you know, holiday season's Not around the corner, but that'll be here before you know it. So make sure you stop by Chris's or shop online with Chris University Spirit. So yeah, Colby, I mean, they get their doors kicked in by South Alabama. You got Casey Dunn talking about they're still alive to play in the Big 12 championship. You've got Mike Gundy saying that, you know, they they quote unquote don't have major problems. Um, I would disagree with that. Now they're playing an Iowa state team that really mirrors them in a lot of ways, Uh bad quarterback play, probably worse than OSU's even uh, no running game to speak of and a decent defense. So it's really, you know, Mike Gundy hires a, a kind of a three, three, five Iowa state type disciple on defense. Uh, there are both offenses are stuck in the mud. It really is one of those kind of mirror image type games and, and really The ugliest way possible. OSU is a three and a half point. That line has moved. They're now a three and a half point underdog, and the over under total is thirty five and a half. What, Colby? Remind me. What what did Oklahoma State lead Pittsburgh by at halftime? Wasn't it like forty nine to something?
0: I believe it was forty nine. Was it forty nine to zero? Did Pittsburgh score in that first half? It
1: might have been like forty nine seven, maybe.
0: Yeah, but the could point have been remains. Seven. I um, <laughs> I was trying to find. I'm on pistolsfiring.com right now. I'm trying to find the um, the quarterback chart side by side because I looked at it earlier and I was surprised to see that Iowa State's quarterback was actually the stats were very similar to Oklahoma State's trio. He, the Iowa State's quarterback, like two completion percentage points better, one more touchdown. But the quarterback situation from a statistical standpoint looks almost like a wash at this point. Look, going into tomorrow.
1: Well, and that's. If you're looking for positives, uh, let's see here. Yeah, Oklahoma State led forty-nine to fourteen at halftime. They scored fifty-nine total against Pittsburgh. Uh, and before I finish, before I go to the Iowa State quarterback situation, you want to hear some of the point totals in twenty seventeen with with Mike Yurcich, who everyone wanted fired and everyone hated. Everyone thought he couldn't coach. You want to hear the point totals for Oklahoma State through the I would first have to six guess, weeks?
0: I, I would have to guess you're averaging in the sixties. And I'm going to say you topped out at 76 and a half.
1: Well, I didn't do the math, but here I'll just read the the totals uh, for each game. 59, 44, 59, 31, 41, 59, 13 overtime against Texas. 50, 52, 49, 40, uh, 58, 30. That's their their point totals throughout the twenty seventeen season. When they I had played the hearsay. wrong
0: guessing game, by the way, I played the wrong guessing game. For some reason, I thought you had dug into the archives and pulled out all of the Vegas over unders before the Oklahoma State games in twenty seventeen. That's that's the numbers I was guessing.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I was going just with the amount of points Oklahoma State put on the scoreboard since they had forty nine a half against Pitt. It piqued my interest.
0: That's wild. That is wild. I, I wrote them down as you were reading them off. Are there only two on their sub forty? Did I get that right?
1: Something like that. Yeah, the Texas uh, – yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. Yikes. And they scored 30 against Virginia Tech in the bowl game. So, yeah. Um, so – but anyway, um, now that this is where there's cause for optimism for me, uh, Rocco Beck is the quarterback for Iowa State. He's the son of Anthony Beck, the former NFL offensive lineman. I think he's now a coach in the XFL. He – might be the worst power 5 quarterback in the country. That's not an understatement. He has been horrible. He makes Gunner Gundy look like Michael Vick. <laughs> Colby and I don't I don't mean to be too dramatic here, but he's not any good at all. So that's what theres some cause for optimism there and we of course don't know who the heck Oklahoma State's going to play at quarterback, but just that's that's a cause for optimism.
0: Uh, okay, so you said that he is arguably maybe the worst quarterback in all of the Power Five. So, Rocco Becht, he is completing nearly 62% of his passes. Oklahoma State's trio, 59%. Um, yards per attempt, Rocco Becht is at 6.8. Oklahoma State's trio is at 5.3 <laughs> yards per attempt. Oklahoma State's trio has three passing touchdowns to two picks. Becht has four touchdowns to three interceptions. Quarterback rating? 127.5 for Beck 108.7 for the Oklahoma state trio QBR 20.4 for the Oklahoma state guys, 53.6 for Beck one rushing touchdown for Beck zero for the Oklahoma state trio. Do you feel any differently after I've presented you with those numbers?
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't compare them because he's playing a full game versus, you know, Alan Bowman gets a rhythm. He gets yanked. Uh, Gunnar Gundy True. plays 50% of the snaps against South Alabama does absolutely nothing. And Garrett Rangel and Alan Bomer sit there watching, pop, uh, eating popcorn on the sideline. Uh, you know, he's played full games, Colby, and he's thrown for 113 yards, 203 yards, and 233. I think if Oklahoma State would play any of their three quarterbacks a full game, they would have more yards, more touchdowns, and who knows about interceptions because we haven't seen a full sample size. I think I think the, the stats don't tell the whole story in terms of, especially when you get to QBR, there's just not a big enough sample size to have a – A decent one
0: yeah that's fair a lot of good points there um I I just think of the four Rangel Bowman Gundy and Becht. I I don't know that there is a really good quarterback that's going to be in Ames tomorrow and that's kind of something that Oklahoma State is running into right now like you'll, you'll get a series like you had a series last week with Bowman first series of the game he comes out air raid slinging it all over the yard looks great Um, You know, Gunner, he'll have like one series a game where he looks good. I think last week he had one series where he looked good, and then he had four where he didn't look very good. Rangel didn't play much last week. Hard to say. Uh, Beck does not look good. The argument I was making was not that Rocco Beck is a good starting quarterback, that Oklahoma State should fear Rocco Beck. The argument I was making was I don't know that either side has a quarterback that you can really – in any predictable way, say, is going to go out and be productive. I mean, the Oklahoma State guys can't get into a rhythm. They're not going to get into a rhythm. It's madness that this is still going on in week four. And I do want to ask you about one thing in particular that Mike Gundy said on Monday. And Barry Trammell asked him about any major problems. He's like, you know, the minor stuff you can get fixed. And what about the major stuff? And Gundy was quick to cut him off. I said, I don't think we have major problems. And then he continued. And he said, I'm going to be able to give you a really good thought Three weeks from now, Carson, how in any way, three weeks from now, halfway through a college football season, you can't assess, you can't figure it, (laughs) three weeks from now, what are are we doing three weeks from now, is that, was that a joke, was that parody, was that an (laughs) SNL skit, three weeks from now, I couldn't believe that he actually said that. I
1: miss that, but it kind of aligns with you know he he kind of treated the non-conference as like preseason. It's it basically is what he was telling us based on who he was playing and how limited his best players were, you know, not giving the ball to Ollie Gordon, playing three quarterbacks just reeks of a preseason game, and it bit him in the you know what against South Alabama because they got clobbered over the head. Um, so I do have a Mia culpa on the um, quarterbacks. You know, I I mentioned last week. I, I thought it was just straight up favoritism and nepotism to play Gunner Gundy 50% of the snaps gave him an extra series and said that, you know, the, the, the drive right before halftime didn't count. And I referenced the first drive out of halftime instead of the last drive before halftime, but let's just go back to it. Gunner Gundy gets the ball. Let's see here touchback on his 25-yard line. There's a minute 3. Now, Colby is a minute a minute 3 is an ample enough time to drive down the field in a 2-minute situation and get points on the board. Gunnar Gundy, first and 10, incomplete to Brennan Presley. Second and 10, he runs for 6 yards. Third and 4, manageable series or manageable down and distance. Sacked for a 13-yard loss punt. Uh, South Alabama gets the ball with 20 seconds left. It's not as if the the clock ran out on this series and they just took a knee. In that case I understand. But again, Mike Gundy showed his cards here. He wants his son to play at Oklahoma State. I'm just going to say it. I was a little I was a little soft in my delivery last week. I'm not going to be soft anymore. This this is the only digression they've had from their three quarterback rotation. And and who was it for? It was for his son who look good high school football player, did not have power five offers, shouldn't be playing quarterback at Oklahoma State. He doesn't have the talent to play at Oklahoma State. It needs to be Allen Bowman or Garrett Rangel, play him each a half. But I think what Mike has shown us with his stance on NIL, that he just, again, didn't back down from on his radio show, acted like it's not important, or he praised South Alabama because it's not a big thing to them, and that's somehow how they beat him over the head with it.
0: I would but, say he acted annoyed. I, I would say he he spoke in an annoyed tone about NIL.
1: And he better get unannoyed, Colby, or else he's going to get clobbered by South Alabama again next time he plays them, I mean, or whoever the hell is they're playing in non-conference before we even get into Big 12 play. But my point is you you looked at Rocco Beck's stats. If you were to play Alan Bowman for a half, and I, I'm being a little – I think I've slided Garrett Rangel a little bit in this discussion. It's one of those two for me. I still think Bowman's gotten just horrible luck. He's had drops upon drops upon drops. The receiver runs the wrong route, and he gets a pick, and then he's done. Whereas they give Gunner this long runway, 50% of the snaps, and they could not have been more inept, barely 200 yards of offense. If Gunner Gundy takes the field against Iowa State, Colby, OSU deserves to lose, plain and simple. Some people don't like to hear that. Some people think I'm being harsh. That's fine. But I've watched the football on the field. People clung to these drives that when Gunner was in there, they scored a touchdown on. And he got flat out exposed against South Alabama, throwing into triple coverage. It looked like Alex Kate, guys. It did. It ha- they have to play Bowman or Rangel the entirety of the first half, Colby, or they are going to lose this football game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was pretty rough last week from Gunner Gunner, his overall performance, especially considering that he got a half. I mean, he got half the snaps. Um, I think that between Bowman and Rangel, I think Bowman probably gives you a better chance to win games this year. I think Rangel is obviously between those two, the only one that has a chance to be the future of the program. Maybe that's Zane Flores. I don't know. Mike Gundy says he's not ready. I, I, I mean, the three guys that you're throwing out there don't look ready again. But I don't think that the analysis on those two, three is fair because what are they being given? They're being set up to fail, Carson. I think they're being set up to fail. And Mike Gundy has said in his press conference, he's like, which one of those kids would you have me call in and, and tell that he doesn't get to play anymore? And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's just – that's not how you make quarterback decisions at the Power Division 5 level. One football. This, this is not a big 12. This isn't Mighty Might, man. This isn't Mighty Might. There's no rule in the book that says they all have to play. And – you've got to pick, you've got to hurt some feelings. And Mike Gundy's not wanting to hurt feelings. And in doing so, he's setting all three quarterbacks up to fail instead of just giving one or two a chance to succeed. He's setting them all three up to fail because he doesn't want to hurt feelings. He doesn't want to make the hard choice. He doesn't want to have to call his son into the office and tell him he's not the starting quarterback. He doesn't want to have to call Alan Bowman, who transferred in for his final season of college football, into his office and tell him that he's not the starting quarterback and that he's his days of playing football are likely over unless there's an injury. I, I just... He doesn't want to make the hard decision and have the hard conversation right now with the quarterbacks. And I think that that's been obvious from his comments. And it's just it's snowballing into a huge, huge problem for Oklahoma State. Um, That being said, I, I mean, this is a game that is winnable. Carson, I I don't know that they're going to win it. I don't know how much confidence I have in that. The the offense is brutal. You tweeted out a quote uh, from a story, I think Trammell wrote it last week, South Alabama linebacker Trey Kaiser on when he knew that they would win. He said probably, say, the second or third series when OSU couldn't even pass the 50-yard line, the plays we saw in practice, we saw tonight, and it was like slow motion when they ran them. That's your offense. That is a South Alabama linebacker saying by the second or third series, they knew that it was pretty much over. That first series, you went out, you had it scripted, you got them. There was a drop, you ended up having to punt, but but uh, all credit, you got them on that first series. And then you went the rest of the game with nothing. I, I just, I think that this is a game that they can win tomorrow, Carson, and I Yet I'm still not confident that they will because I don't know that the offense is inventive enough, creative enough to to score enough points in aims to beat what is a really bad Iowa state team.
1: Who has a decent defense who will be looking their chops to play this offense. I thought that quote from South Alabama linebacker who happens to be an Oklahoman really kind of validated what you, I literally every OSU fan watching says in that, They're not doing anything different from last year. They're running the same five, six, seven plays over and over. Nothing down the field. And I think it's exacerbated when you have Gunnar Gundy in there staring down his first read and taking off and running. He he doesn't go through his progressions. And again, people just dog on Alan Bowman. The offense has looked the best with him when they when he drove down the field against Arizona State and scored, the opening drive against South Alabama was a walk-in touchdown. He just hasn't had a long enough runway, in my opinion, and I think the same goes for Rangel. The, The last few drives against Arizona State, he marches down the field and scores and shows off some arm strength. So, Mike Gundy is hamstringing this team with his quarterback rotation. No two ways about it. He has to pick one. And At this point, I don't care who it is as long as it's Rangel or Bowman. That's where I'm at with it. But, Casey Dunn, if you're not hearing that quote and coming out against Iowa State and showing something different, and you just keep running these, you know, wide receiver bubble screens, these five yard outs, trying to dink and dunk your way down the field, like just, you, I don't know what we're doing here. If if that's if that's the offense, he's going to run out. So I think another cause for optimism here, Colby. Everyone thinks I'm negative, Nancy, but isn't this the time where you actually run these plays we've heard so much about your new blocking schemes more under center? Isn't this the time where you, you let it all hang out Colby. Cause they've clearly been, if South Alabama's quotes, any indication they've clearly been hiding, you know, all these plays they've got in their back pocket, or maybe they just don't have any. And we're just going to watch one of the worst offenses in modern day college football.
0: Carson, what have I been screaming about for two, maybe three years offensively? There's one thing that I just don't see from Oklahoma State offensively. I'm not a huge X's and those guys. I, I'm, I'm not a film bro. I can't get into the tape and break it all down. But there's one thing that to the naked eye is so obvious to me that Oklahoma State just does not do. Do you know what I'm about to say? Free snap motion. I was listening to a podcast earlier this morning. Mina Kimes was on. Mina Kimes is one of the smartest minds in football. And She was going over a couple of offenses. Two offenses in the NFL that use more motion than anyone else. That's the Los Angeles Rams. That's the Miami Dolphins. That's Sean McVay. That is Mike McDaniel. Those are the two best, or two of the three, two of the five best offensive minds in all of football. And what they're doing is they're just giving defenders one more thing to think about. They're taking a linebacker and they're moving him two yards to the left. They're getting him just out of that gap. They're giving him one more thing to think about so that he's a half second late getting where he needs to be and that opens up the hole so that you can do what you need to do. You 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 change the angles for the defense when you make guys move with pre-snap motion. It does so many things to make the defense's life harder. And Oklahoma State, they just get up to the line, they stand still, they snap it, it's a disaster and then they punt. I I just Listening to the podcast earlier with Mina, really, it drove me a little bit crazy because I'm so envious of, you know, the the NFL teams who have guys like that who can do that. But even at the collegiate level, there are so many programs doing so many things offensively to make life a nightmare for opposing defensive coordinators. And meanwhile, we've got the South Alabama linebacker saying, yeah, we ran all their plays in practice. It was like slow motion. The game's not moving fast for opposing defenses because it's all the same. It's not creative. It's standstill. It's slow. They're not having to think about multiple things. I I just, again, I'm not a tape bro. I can't go in and break it all down for you and tell you which route concept's going where and, you know, the safety drop down here. Like, I I can see some of those things, but not anywhere near a professional level. But I can tell that they're just standing still, running the same thing over and over again and hitting their head against a brick wall. And I don't understand. I, I just... Turn on the Rams film, turn on the Dolphins film, watch the all 22 and rip their playbook. I mean, my God, do something different than what you've been doing, uh, because offensively, it's just it's been a disaster. And I, I think tomorrow that over under of 35 and a half, uh, barring some special teams, some kick returns, uh, maybe a pick six, a scoop and score. I think that that over under of 35 and a half might be pretty safe, Carson. And that is a wild thing to say out loud.
1: No, I agree, and it's called window dressing. That's what good offensive coordinators do. They do a ton of pre snap mode. I'm sure the Chiefs are high up there as well. You remember all the Lincoln Riley offenses at Oklahoma? You had Hollywood Brown. Every Hollywood Brown hardly ever just stood there as a wide receiver. He was moving all over the field. And again, that's their offense seemingly is getting slower, with less complications, and easier to defend. So I agree with you. All right, we're tight on time, Colby. Uh, it's time for a new sponsor. You ready for a new sponsor?
0: Oh, I'm so ready for a new sponsor. It's it's a perfect Saturday sponsor, too. I'll let you unveil it.
1: Yeah, it's a Friday for me, so I'm already indulging. But uh, it is time to unveil our new sponsor. It's Yingling, the oldest operating brewing company in the United States since 1829. Yingling just recently came to the state of Oklahoma. It's been a, a very popular beer nationwide but it just recently came to oklahoma i believe they have it on tap up at eskimo joe's as well but uh, yingling sponsoring what we're going to call the toast of the week colby uh, i'd never heard of yingling until college my friend adam luntz and i were, were members of the delta delta fraternity at, at oklahoma state we bonded immediately when he was rushing over our love for florida state football we went to a florida state miami game is when, it's when Miami botched the field goal attempt and Florida State beat them for the first time in a decade. But we stayed with the Delts at Florida State. Their fridge was stocked with yingling. I'm like, yingling? What, what is that? And we consumed an unconscionable amount of yingling that weekend. It was unholy. And ever since then, I've had a very warm place in my heart for yingling, and we appreciate them sponsoring what is the toast of the week, Colby. Do you have someone in mind for your toast of the week?
0: Toast of the week. That's a good question. I actually, um, you go first, you go first. I've got two in front of me. I'm looking at, and I want to make the right decision.
1: Okay. My, to toast. my,
0: my daughter's, my daughter's crying in the background. She's, she's uh, messing with my thought process here.
1: Okay. Uh, my toast of the week is to all of you, OSU fans who are going to have to sit down on your Saturday and watch two of the worst offenses in all of college football. I've had so many laughs at the expense of Iowa and certainly Iowa State when they just embarrass the Big 12 every time they play Iowa. But cheers to you, OSU fans. We're in for a long, boring, hard-to-watch slog on Saturday. So if you're going to indulge, please pick up some yingling and, of course, always enjoy responsibly, always designate a driver.
0: Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I was debating between uh, primetime for selling $5 million in sunglasses, which is roughly a little more than three times Jay Norvell's annual salary at Colorado State. Um, but I'm not going to go with that one. I'm not going to go with prime. I'm going to get the toast of the week, Carson, to my parents. You know where my parents are right now? You do, because I told you earlier. told you in a text message. I'll tell the audience.
1: I can't. They I still can't Iowa. believe it.
0: They are in Iowa, Carson. I respect the diehards. I, tr- I I respect the diehards. My parents, my mom especially, is a diehard. Uh, they've got friends up there that they're going to see. They are going to Jack Trice Stadium tomorrow. They are going to watch this game. I don't know what the attendance is going to be like. I, 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 a bad Iowa State team in late September, I have no idea. They'll show But up. I would imagine there might be a few up. enough people
1: there. Do what? They show up. They always show up, no matter what.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that we might actually be able to hear my mom on TV. I think if you hear a lady that sounds, oh, let's call her passionate, just a little little passionate, <laughs> that's probably going to be my mother in the stands. So my toast of the week goes to my parents and to all the diehards out there who have made this trip to Ames, Iowa to watch a football game with an over-under of 35 and a half. I will be watching it from the comfort of my living room. Uh, it will get the middle TV because – it is still Oklahoma State football. I still love my Cowboys, so it will get the middle TV, but I will definitely be watching it from the comfort of my couch. So toast of the week goes to the diehards.
1: That is well-earned. Uh, cheers to them. They are just flat-out more loyal and true than I. I would find many, 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 many more things to do than that, but, hey, that's why she's a diehard. That's why she's loyal and true, and your your parents both are tremendous Oklahoma State fans, and I guarantee you the referees will be able to hear your mom. That I guarantee
0: Oh, they always do. They always do. Typically, holding or pass interference. Those are her favorites.
1: <laughs> All right, Colby, let's get to it. We, again, we appreciate Yingling uh, coming on board and uh, looking forward to working with them uh, throughout the football season. Uh, let's get to our picks, Colby. What are you thinking? Who are you picking to win? Give me a score. Give me how you think it'll play out.
0: Yeah, I've seen some people throwing out like 13 to 10, 10 to 7. Um, I don't think it'll be that low scoring. Again, special teams, defense, that's part of the game. you You've got two really bad offenses and two decent defenses, there could be turnovers in this game. There there could be a defensive score uh, on one side or the other or both. So I do think that the 35-and-a-half the total, I think they approach that total. Um, I'm going to say 20-14 to in favor of the Cyclones. They're at home, and that was kind of what made me lean their direction. Also, the fact that Vegas has them as, I'm looking at it right now, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, Feels like a lot, but, you know, Vegas knows. Vegas typically knows. And when I'm looking at a game that I just can't decide, I can't make my mind up, um, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I think Iowa State wins this game 20-14. to I I think it's ugly for a long time. Um, And then I think Iowa State just kicks up a couple of field goals, uh, maybe one in the third quarter, one in the fourth quarter, and they win this game by a hair. I think Oklahoma State will have a chance late in the game to go win it. And I, I just don't think that they'll be able to do enough offensively. Uh, I think that that game-winning drive will flame out and Oklahoma State will lose this game by one score. So I uh, hope I'm wrong because you go to 2-2 two to two and 2 and you lose to Iowa State. Um, at that point, I don't think the bowl streak is in jeopardy. At that point, I think we can go ahead and put a nail in its coffin uh, before we even hit October. So that would be unfortunate. I hope they go up there and win tomorrow, but I don't have enough faith in the offense, Carson.
1: Uh, yeah. Again, this is – I said last week, the benefit of the doubt is gone for Mike Gundy. And as I was sitting down to to go over my pick for this game, you, what was in the back of my head was whenever Mike Gundy is getting a lot of heat, whenever we think this is finally the end for him, he pops up and wins a game that you just don't think he's going to win. And there's not going to be very many opportunities for him to do that this year. But at Iowa State, is certainly an opportunity like that. Uh, but if he loses this game, Colby, I think – it, it affirms my belief that the benefit of the doubt is gone, where you can just roll Mike Gundy out, and he's going to beat some of the less uh, superior teams in the Big 12. I just think Iowa State's defense is better than Oklahoma State's, and their offense might be worse, but that's not saying a whole lot when you factor in how horrible the offensive coordinator is at Oklahoma State. The results keep somehow getting worse. I mean, 200 yards against – South Alabama is just an incredible, astonishing amount of ineptness. And as bad as Rocco Beck is, I just think they're gonna outscore him. That's just I I reserve the right to point out if he plays Alan Bowman this entire game or at least a half and substitutes him for Rangel for a half if they get if they get a longer runway, those two, Well, then all bets are off. I think Oklahoma State can win this game. But I think he's going to trot out this little league three-quarterback system so his son can get on the field, and they're going to lose. And I don't think there's going to be very many points to be had. I'm going with 10-7, to Iowa State, a true Big Ten matchup. I'm going Iowa State 10, Oklahoma State 7. Mike Gundy, prove me wrong, as you've done many, many times. I, I thought you were dead in the water going to Boise State. Prove me wrong. Let's, let's see the coach we all know you are. Let's see some innovation on offense. Let's see you throw the headset on and tell Casey Dunn to, to ditch the five-yard out routes. Let's see it, Mike, because you can act like the house isn't on fire, but it's, it's a five-alarm fire right now, and you're the culprit by keeping Casey Dunn and Charlie Dickey on staff. I mean, you need a revamp of your coaching staff. That's not happening right now, but prove me wrong. Until I see some massive changes from last week, I can't pick Oklahoma State to win this game. Ten to
0: seven. Ten to seven.
1: We're we're homeless man's Iowa. That's what we're watching.
0: You're not wrong. We scored seven last week against South Alabama. Who am I to say that that my 14 might not be overshooting it? Um, I did say that that both teams might get there via uh, a defensive touchdown, which is – which is rough, 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 uh, uniform preview. You got yours. I've got mine. Yeah. I feel confident this week. Yeah. Uh, Last week was a big swing and a miss. I feel a little more confident this week. I think it's going to be a tricolor in Ames. We we've seen them experiment with some tricolor, uh, before against Iowa state. I think they're going to go, uh, white shirts. Obviously I think you're going black helmets, orange pants tomorrow in Ames, black, white, orange. And I'm going to go with the brand on the helmet that's my uniform prediction for tomorrow um i feel more confident than last week last week i I don't think that i was even close i don't know if either one of us were even close last week
1: that's one of my favorite combos uh black white orange just screams osu i love it probably the best road look i'm gonna go black white black with the curse of cowboys i mean uh solid it's more your flavor with the the one-two-one combo so i'll go Black, white, black with the black numbers to match the pants. It's it's long overdue. I want to see the white jerseys with the black numbers. That'll look that'll look sharp. I don't know if they'll play any good, but that that'll look good.
0: Yeah, I uh, I think either one of those combinations would look good tomorrow. Are we? Uh, do we have any Twitter questions, or are we are we wrapping? Uh, real quick, Colorado. Any chance tomorrow, or do they just get smacked?
1: Uh, if they had Travis Hunter, I'd give them a chance, but no, I think they get smacked.
0: Uh, yeah, they're down their best corner and their best receiver. I, I do think that they get smacked tomorrow. I don't think that that is any way an indictment on what Colorado has achieved. I think they get smacked tomorrow. I think they get smacked next week too against USC. And then I think that they'll probably get Travis Hunter back and start winning some games again. Uh, but yeah, their best player on both sides of the ball is out for a few weeks. They say he had a lacerated kidney. Is that what I saw?
1: Like lacerated, like liver. Oh, which sounds sounds painful. And like, that's a, Extremely vital organ. I haven't read many stories on it, but that yeah. that seems like life threatening. I don't know. I, I haven't again I am completely ignorant on the topic, but that sounded serious.
0: Yeah, lacerated liver. Um somebody oh, I'm just reading a quote here from Skip Bayless on Monday. It's not considered terribly serious and should heal on its own. Is that okay? I guess. Um I guess I don't know enough about the human body. So um yeah, I think Colorado will get back to their winning ways once they get through Oregon and USC. What else we got?
1: I think I had a lacerated liver when I was in Tallahassee watching the Knolls <laughs> take down the hurricanes.
0: That's fantastic. Drinking drink yingling. yingling. We've got, uh, the golf group group techs. There are a couple of diehard Yingling guys in the, uh, the golf group text. So, uh, I guess I'm, I'm joining now. I need to, I need to text the group and tell them that we're sponsored.
1: Yeah. You need to take some, take some Yinglings to the boys while you're having a round. Uh, we did have a Twitter question last week about what's in the bag for our golf games. Let's save that for uh future pod. Uh, that was a lingering Twitter question you wanted to address, but uh, I think it's time we get out of here. And good luck to your parents, Colby. Uh, good luck to all of us out there who are going to sit through what is going to be. I mean, again, we're we're in the Big Ten now, and it's just we're we're in the Big Ten without the TV revenue, which which really stinks. So,
0: yes, yes, yes it does. That. I want to remind everyone, if you're in Stillwater, I know the team's on the road this week, but go over to Chris's University Spirit, our good friends. Um, Make sure that you help them out, support the people who support us. Carson, great stuff. We appreciate everyone for listening. We will be back. Win, lose. Uh, or draw. Maybe neither team can score and they call it. We will be back regardless to recap what happens tomorrow in Ames. uh, I think it'll be a telling indicator of where this season is headed and whether this team uh, is capable of winning some more games along the way. So, appreciate everyone. As always, go Pokes!